Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. This episode was given on October 21st, 2018 by Clark Sugata. How are we all doing? It is nice to be with you all. I am excited to kind of talk through a few things today that I think the Spirit's really been showing me this last week. I really, I get excited about these opportunities um, to do something very different from what I, I, I love to teach, and, and but I usually don't teach this stuff, you know what I mean? So, um, so and this is, I feel no pressure in a lot of ways because I wasn't trained, I didn't go to seminary, but I've spent a lot of time in school. So anyway, um, it is, I'm excited to just talk about a few things, um, and I really just appreciate this, uh, I, I appreciate the fact that I feel comfortable being in a space like this, um, even though I know that there's many of you who I have not uh, gotten to know like really well yet. There's probably, there's a number of you I probably haven't even gotten to know at a surface level yet, um, but this has become my home, you know, since I've, we've came to humble two years ago um this has really become our place my place you know this is i this is a space i just feel comfortable in um and and that wasn't i did part of what i want to talk about today kind of stems out of that right out of the it really i've thought over what i wanted to talk about and i really kind of it's all rooted in some of the experiences i've been going through um and uh, my family's been going through my wife and i we took a big change in our lives um, in the last, well, been a long time. <laughs> I've been in school a long time. Um, giving up a career to try to go back to grad school, uh, seven years of that, um, and, uh, and then kind of coming to the end very quickly. We were in Arizona. I went to Arizona State University for my doctoral, master's in doctoral work. And um, and coming to the end of that, where you've just been kind of keeping life together and just making things work and really trusting in God in a really deep way, because during those years you just knew if He didn't show up, we weren't going to get through this, you know, on so many levels. And then you get to the end, and despite God showing up so many times, you, I, we were, I at least was encountered with that fear again of like. Well, now what, what do I do? And starting to go through this panic of how am I going to take care of my family? How am I going to move the pieces in place? Um, how am I going to finish my dissertation on time and be applying for jobs? And how am I going to make it through the interview process? And then how do I know which is the right job? And, and all these things just came crashing down on me, um, on us at, at the same time. And it took a lot of work to... Um, well, I guess it just took some good wisdom from, from some important people in my life to really just make me pause and to look back on the journey that we have begun with God and to start looking for the monuments, like look for the spaces where we have built up rocks to remember where God had showed up. And it was by identifying those, then you come to a completely different place, right? It's like a place where you can just look at it and say, okay, so either God took us on this journey to now walk out on us and watch me suffer, or this was all for a reason, right? Um, and when you start to see all those rocks stacked up, you realize this is all for a reason. And so my prayers changed dramatically. One, I started to become much more comfortable talking to God about what my desires were. 
um, and talking to him and asking him questions about what he had put me through this process for. Um, But most of my prayers, to be honest, though, in that time were about place. It was about asking God to establish my family in a place. When you go, getting jobs out of academia now is not easy. I just realized I never turned this on, Paul. My bad. Come on now. Um, and, uh, And they tell you, they prepare you in grad school. They say, you know, at best, you know, best case scenario is your third job is the one you keep. You know, be looking for postdocs, go somewhere, do a couple years of research, then find a good entry level job and then find place where you can get into a tenure track position. And and these are all people offering advice, the, the best advice that they can offer. And but I just knew in my heart that like that that would not work for my family. We had three children two already well-established in school. I, I was already preparing to make one move. I could not justify moving them around every two years. Um, I didn't feel that that was right for myself. I didn't feel it was right for my wife. And so I really just prayed really heavily to God about, about how he would establish us and how he would put us into place. Um, and he just, you know, that's... I can do my full story another night, but he it was amazing. Um, and this church was a huge part of it, okay? Um, whether you all know it or not, um, you know, we were praying for this church, you know, months before we arrived um, out of just a chance crossing. Um, and it was just, a, I just knew this was the place we were going to be, you know? Keiko came in one day and said, you know, we got to find a church when we get there. And I said, oh, I already found one. And she said, really? I said, yeah, I just came across this post. I saw these people doing this stuff, and they, they're going to be our friends. And I never revisited the webpage um, until the, at all. I just knew the name. We showed up here on a Friday. We came here on a Sunday, and we've been here ever since. And, and I have no doubt it was God answering my prayer about establishing us in a place and building place for us. And I think place is really important. Um, and so what I want to talk about today is I'm going to write a couple things up as I go because it keeps me on track. But I want to talk about inheritance and, and I want to talk about place, the importance of place. And we'll kind of, those two things I think um, I'm going to argue get interwoven locked in together throughout uh, throughout scripture. So I'm actually going to be talking from the Old Testament today. And I originally when Bethany was like, you can talk about whatever you want. Um, I said, okay, I want to talk about identity. That was my original thing. Um, I want to talk more about who we are in God, how he sees us and, and those kinds of things. And that's still what I'm going to be talking about um, <clears throat> this week and next We'll see how she like like this service. I'll know next week whether or not I did a good job. Um, but uh, but identity, you know, I'm going to be addressing talking about identity, you know, indirectly, right? But I think these are key parts of our identity, right? Our inheritance and and the places God puts us in. And so I actually decided to go to the Old Testament and. Typically, I think when we talk about identity in Christ, the default is to go to the New Testament, particularly to Christ, right? And like your new creation in Christ and all these things. And that's good. That's all good. Um, but, I, but I think that sometimes we, we lose 
something by going to Christ right away. Because, bear with me, I know that sounds bad. Um, But the bar is set really high. And all we start to do is focus on our lack of, of what we're not living into or how we don't meet the measure of Christ. And I believe that's the wrong way to approach the question of identity. Because I don't believe scripture gives us a picture of a God who is comparing us to Christ. Rather, he's seeing that Christ has already paid the ransom for us, right? So he already sees Christ in us. Um, And so I wanted to go to the Old Testament. And the other thing I love about going to the Old Testament is that when we start finding clues to our identity in the Old Testament, we realize that God already had a plan thousands of years before Christ came. Um, He already was setting something in motion. Um, and I think that's important to realize as well. Okay, so we're going to start um, by talking. We're going to start in second in First Chronicles, but um, I want to start before we open up the Word. I want we're going to start with the end of David's reign, and I think we're gonna we're just we're gonna look at the transition from David to Solomon and some interesting things I think happened there. But David is a big figure in the Bible. What do we know about David? Shepherd. Shepherd. Adulterer. Adulterer. King. Goliath. What? David and Goliath. David and Goliath. Yeah. Right? He went through a lot of trials, right? I mean, in the sense that he was tested a lot in uh, with his relationship, particularly with Saul, right? Um, and, I mean, that was a very much a period of trial that he would go through in, in realizing coming into his, his kingship, right? But David is, is a really obviously important figure in the Bible because Christ's lineage runs through David, obviously because we know David's lineage. Christ's lineage just goes beyond David, but really we trace Christ back to David. That's kind of the way he's always referenced. He's, he's mentioned specifically at times as the son of David. It, the prophecy said that he would come through that line. So, like, David is an important figure. And I think that we a lot of people focus on David um, because he was known as someone who was near and closest to the heart of God, right? He said he was a man after God's own heart. And we focus on that. But it's also interesting to note that despite that, despite being a man after God's own heart, David was never allowed by God to fulfill the one des- one specific desire of his heart. Does anyone know what that was? He had a really real desire that he took to God and said, this is a desire of my heart. And God said, I'm sorry, that's not for you. To build the temple. To build the temple, yes. Okay. So the Israelites... Israel was now an established tribe. They, they got their first king under Saul. That kind of goes a little bit bad. But then David is eventually established as king. He is the king that God has has set that this will be his line. Okay, so the the kingdom, the the lineage of Israel then wouldn't run through Saul. It was to run through David, right? And he says, "I will establish David on my throne." Okay, and so. He's a very important person, and and David has this very great, interesting relationship, very human relationship with God, back and forth. Um, but he's always seeking the heart of God, and yet, at the end of his life, he wants to build God a place. Because now, Israel has gone from living in the tents 
and always being nomadic and moving from place to place, they've finally become established. And David, being a warrior king, has subdued the land around him. He's gone out. He's, he's a great warrior. And he had many, many great warriors attached to him. He had his mighty 300. And they've subdued the land around him. And now the kingdom is established. There's actually boundaries, right? They've kind of established a place for the first time. And he says, now, God, we've, we've established our place. And we wanna, I want to build you a temple. And God said, no, that's not for you to do. Okay, And so this is a very interesting transition. It's a really neat point in the Bible. Um, and God just opened my heart to it this week. And I just had so much fun reading through it and digging into it. And I, I want to share a few things that I think really came to light that I think are important. So turn with me to 1 Chronicles 22. And we're going to be reading verses 6 through 10. I have a different translation, so I'm going to turn myself. <clears throat> so we're in the Old Testament. Chronicles is right after Kings. First Chronicles uh, 22, 6 through 10. You know what? Let's go. I'm going to read from five. So same thing. Six. We're going to read five through ten. So David, this is King David. David said, "My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord shall be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it." So David made extensive preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Okay. <coughs> so, the first thing of significance there is the contrast that God initiates between David and Solomon. And he doesn't admonish David or anything, but he says, David, this is this is who you were. This is who you were. And you you walked in my ways, in many ways, but this is who you were. You were a warrior king. You were called out to do struggle. You were called into conflict. And you fought in my name. Okay? And because of that, I'm not punishing you, but it won't be your place. Okay? It's not your role to build a space for me to build a place of rest for me. It's not going to be your role. I'm going to give that to Solomon, okay? Your son, your lineage. Still going to honor, you know, this is still your work in many ways, but it's going to go to Solomon, okay? Because Solomon is first and foremost a person of what? Peace, okay? He says, Solomon is a man of peace, okay? 
And he assures him. He makes a promise here, right? In verse 9, he says, I will give him rest and peace, okay? So I think it's not that God is choosing at this point that he was he was favoring Solomon in a way and saying, I'm going to be, you know, with Solomon. I mean, David was David. He was after, followed after God's own heart, right? <clears throat> God is present with us during all seasons of life. He's present with us during struggles. He's present with us during times of, of warfare, if we think of spiritual warfare and all these things. But when God looks to establish his place, right, placehood in our lives, He's always seeking spaces of rest and peace. And, and I think this is really important to think about, right? Um, in Exodus 33, when Moses encounters God, right? Exodus 33, he says, he, he says to God, show me your ways, right? And let me read that to you really quick. Well, this, is a great, this is a great passage that shows us insight into really who God is. Exodus 33:13, he says, Moses says to him, if it is true that you look favorably on me, so if I found favor in you, God, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that the nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine and good for you. So when Moses says, God, if I found favor in you, then help me to understand you better. I want to know you better, right? And he says, okay, I will, show, I will go with you and I will give you rest. That's who God is. When God establishes his place with us, he brings rest. He does it in spaces of peace and rest, okay? And... And why is this so important? Why is this important when we look at Solomon's story? Well, I think it's important for a couple reasons. But the one that I'm going to focus on today is because I believe that space, spaces of peace allow us to realize our inheritance. Okay? So spaces of peace give us the time and the space, the rest we need to actually realize what our inheritance is. So what is Solomon's inheritance? If God is recognizing him and he's going to grant him this peace, he says, I'm going to give you peace on all sides, right? Then what is Solomon's inheritance from what we see here? Any ideas? The honor of building a Yes, I would say. Yay, you win, <laughs> Bethany. <laughs> okay, if we look... If we look at, um, at, oh, that, sorry, that was Exodus um, 33, verses 13 to 14. Okay, but let's go back to, so back in First Chronicles, right? Um, if you skip ahead just a couple chapters to First Chronicles 29, and you look at verse 3, right? We see we see in this part here, David actually starts to like, he describes all of the wealth that he has accumulated for this project. It's not just like a things he's collected, like, oh, this would be like a nice chandelier, like, right? Like, 
David is saying, everything I've done, my whole life, my life's work, this is going to Solomon to build the temple. Okay? He says, and now because of my devotion to the temple of God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold, silver, to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the buildings and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? And so then all the leaders of Israel go into their cubbies and dig out all their gold and silver, and they give that to David as well to pass on to Solomon, okay? So all of this, I think, easily could be looked at as Solomon's inheritance. I mean, Solomon is getting lots of stuff here. He's getting tons of gold, tons of silver, and all the other stuff that goes with it, right? But if we jump ahead to verse 16 there, again, we're in 1 Chronicles 29, and we go to 16. When David prays before the assembly, he recognizes that this cannot possibly be counted as inheritance because it's not theirs. It's already God's. He says, O Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. Okay? So all of this wealth, there was a strong recognition amongst Israel and amongst David that this was not in any way Solomon's inheritance. It wasn't the stuff. Right? Rather... Solomon's inheritance was the blessing to build. Okay? Our inheritance, I think, is always a blessing to build. David could have built a temple, I guess. I mean, maybe God would have struck him dead. Who knows? But, um, but surely he had the capacity. I mean, he had the men. He had the wealth. He could have built a temple, right? Like, he could have broken ground and started building a temple, but he had not been giving the blessing, right? That's what held him back. God, God, had, God specifically told him, this, won't, this isn't for you to do, okay? Because it's not part of who you are. Uh, my place is going to be built by a man of peace and rest because that's what my place demands, okay? And so he passes on this inheritance to Solomon, okay? It's this blessing to build, I think, is something that we often don't think of as our inheritance. But I think that this is a key part of what our inheritance is. Okay? And this idea of building is, is important, right? I think that our inheritance is always constructive. It's always dynamic. Okay? I think that when we think about inheritance a lot, we think about, I don't know, I guess naturally we kind of think about things or maybe we think about after like later you know like over oh, our inheritance is in heaven we hear that a lot right um but we see something very different here we see something different we hear we see god saying your inherit this inheritance i'm giving to solomon it's a blessing to build it's a blessing to make space for me okay and I think God is calling part of our inheritance is to go into a constructive process to build spaces of peace and rest in our own life, okay? So 
how do we realize this, right? If this is our, if our blessing is to build, our blessing is to construct things in our own lives, then what's the foundation here? Like, what, what does that, what do we need to build upon? What's our requirements, right? What do we need to realize in order to find this blessing? And I think we see that going back to the original first text, First Chronicles 22. We're going to look at verse 10, the last verse there. Oh, yeah, let me read. Sorry, I keep going to my Bible, which I know is a slightly different translation. Verse 10 here. He says, he is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. This was something that took me a couple days to really see the significance of when I was studying. And then I realized that from my study, this is the first time that God ever refers to himself as father in relation to his people. And when I went back and tried to look, none of the patriarchs, not Abraham, Moses, they never refer to God as Father. They always refer to him as the Lord, the Lord our God. And God never refers, he, he at one point calls Israel his firstborn. Right? He says, Israel is my firstborn. It's the closest thing I can find. But he, this is the very first time that God actually speaks of himself as a father. Right? Um, and he uses the word Ab, right? He says, I will, he, I will be his father, his Ab, which we know from Abba, right? I will be his father, okay? I think this is incredibly important, right? Here God is saying, I mean, this directly brings in the, the, the issue of inheritance. He's saying, David, you, you, you brought together my people. You established a kingdom, but you haven't made a place for me because it wasn't in who you were. You weren't a man of peace. My places need to be built in spaces of rest. So I'm going to create a place, a space of peace, and it's going to fall to your son, and I will be his father. In order for him to come into this inheritance, in order for him to have this blessing to build, he needs to know who he is. He's got to know that at the root of all this, I'm not just God, I'm not just Lord, I'm not just Yahweh, I'm Abba, I'm his father. He is my son, and I will establish him. And I think that when we look to God and we ask questions about it, establishment, about place, about where he would have us be, we need to go back to the very root of this and realize that part of our inheritance our inheritance is only realized when we realize that we, we, we can inherit, that we are inheriting from our Father, that we are truly children of God, right? So before Solomon, even with David, we see that there was only promise. Everything was always about promise, the promise of God, right? The promised land. After Solomon, it's a completely different picture, now it's all about inheritance. Once we realize who we are, 
once we create a space for God in our own lives, once we create place for him, once we rest in his peace and accept his blessing, promise, I mean, it's nice, but it's almost irrelevant. Now it's about inheritance, right? Now we have claim. We have claim to the heavenly kingdom, okay? Um, when we really, yeah, I was noticing in Deuteronomy, you know, prior to this, inheritance was always reverse. God talked about Israel being his inheritance. The people were his inheritance. In Israel, in Deuteronomy 32.9, it says, For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. Right? So up until this point, we were the inheritance. His people were the, inher- were the inheritance of God. They were his portion. Right? And here we see a paradigm shift. Now God is saying, okay, now that things are established, now I'm going to make place among you. Now it's time for you to really realize my blessings. And in order to do that, you've got to realize who you are. I will be your father. You will be my children. And now it is no longer about promise. It is about the inheritance I have for you. So building, this whole building, right, it can go this way too. We have a blessing to build. But building, this work of building place for God in our own lives that's, that is the blessing. That is our inheritance. Our inheritance is to know God as our Father and to make place for the Lord, right? When we make place for him, we live into our inheritance. We live in that blessing that he's established for us. Making sense? Okay. All right, so now I want to talk of my time. I want to talk just a little bit about place. Right? And the importance of place. Okay? So, can we look at um, 2 Chronicles 6? Okay. Give me one second. 2 Chronicles 6. Um, now, when we came, when we come up to this question of the temple, I have to be honest. Like, I was always a little bit like, I, I didn't quite understand at first why the temple was necessary in certain ways. Because, again, I was thinking about this from like a New Testament perspective. It's like, well, are buildings really necessary? Like, you know, God is everywhere, so do we have to have place for Him? But I realized that Solomon himself recognize this, right? Solomon already understood the expanse of God, okay? In, and he knows that a temple in of itself doesn't, isn't going to contain God, even though it's going to be a place, right, where they put the ark. He's very well aware that this temple is not going to contain God in all that God is. So if we look at 2 Chronicles 6, look at verse 18, okay? He says... But will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer. Sorry, I'm reading from two Bibles. 
Where are we? <laughs> what verse am I in? 19. Uh, okay. Yet, Lord my God, give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence. May your eyes be open towards this temple day and night, this place of which you said you would put your name. May you hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Okay? And so, it's not that it's not that Solomon is believing that, okay, now that I've built this temple, God can finally be here on earth. Like, he's very well aware of God's, you know, his power, his expanse. He's well aware of the relationship he's had with his father and with him. He knows that God can occupy all place and time and space. He says, look, this temple I built, come on, really? It's not going to hold you, God. You're a lot bigger than this. And yet, he thinks it is important to build it, okay? Because specifically, look there, in verse 19, he says he wants to make a place where the people will go and their prayers will be heard, okay? Um, I think that the idea of prayers are, this again would be a different sermon, and I don't want to get too weird on you here. But, but, um, but the Bible is also very clear that what we see, what we experience here in the physical realm is only at most half of the picture, probably a very small portion of what we hear. It talks about, um, it talks about our prayers and our worship to God as actually being a, a, of, of a sweet smell, of being an incense to God. Again and again, in Scripture, we are called to go to God in prayer, right? Despite Him knowing what goes on in our hearts, prayer—that that, that petition we make to God—is very powerful. And and while I do believe that God can have a relationship in all ways and spaces and forms, there's something about places that are rooted in prayer, right? This building is just a building, yes, but it was also the answer to the prayers of people, I'm sure. I'm sure that there were saints and people that came before us that prayed over this land. They prayed over this space. And we also see time and time and again that there are holy spaces. There is holy ground in the Bible. Now, I'm not trying to say, like, all churches are holy and, like, you know, like, my kids run through here like crazy and, you know. um, but, But prayer, I think, is something that does get rooted in place. I think that there is, that we can establish, that we can take territory, that we can hold place, right? And God recognizes that. And I think that when God, and when it, I think when it's part of our inheritance, it, it lasts generations, right? And so here, Solomon is saying, no, it's not God, I, I need a place so that finally we caught you, right? Rather, he's saying, I want to make a place where the people come with their prayers and their petitions, and they build a space of rest and peace, and that blessing becomes rooted in the land, right? That there is there, there becomes power there. There's power in the place that people gather, and that whenever they come there, you they know that you will hear them, okay? And I think having those places, right, creating those spaces for God, wherever that would be for you, it's important. It's important not for not for God. It's important for us. It's important for us to realize our identity, our inheritance. 
It's important for us to go to those spaces and have markers and to remember, this is a place of prayer. This is, how, this is where I go and this is where God hears me. Okay? Um, and we see here later, this is really cool. This is us add-in. On verse 32, here in, so- in the same chapter, 2 Chronicles 6.32, here we see that Solomon was already thinking about us, us right here, right? He says, in the future, foreigners, right, who do not belong to your people of Israel, they will hear of you. They will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the people of earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people of Israel do. So here we see a verse of prophecy where he's saying this temple, this isn't just to establish you. So like it's, it's all about us. This is about establishing your presence, your placehood on this earth. That when future generations, after Messiah, after the Gentiles are grafted into your line, once they become part of the house of David, they too, they'll hear of you and they will pray to that place and you will hear them. Creating spaces of rest in our life, they should be spaces of prayer. They should be places where we know that God here, the places of remembrance. It's a place for us to step into and remember who we are in God. Just remember how we got to where we, where we are, right? It's a place where we reflect on life. We think about how far he's brought us. <clears throat> and it's a place where we can rest assured that he hears our prayers, right? That he knows us. You know, I think this idea of stepping into places of space and peace is so important, um, more than ever in the world that we live in, right? Everything about this world is about, I mean, there's nothing in it that pushes us towards rest. Every measure of productivity, of success, uh, Every measure that you can come up with that, that denotes you as being a good worker, or a good, it's about how much you accomplish. It's about how much you can get done in an allotted amount of time. Everything is pushing us to a, just a neck break pace, right? Um, and yet the children of God are called to something very different, right? If we look at the Beatitudes, it's the peacemakers. It's the peacemakers that are called the children of God. And I think that when we make peace, it's not just about making peace amongst people, right? How can we sow unity and harmony amongst others if we don't have peace in our own life, right? How can I bring peace between two people if I don't carry that peace, right? When we say that we are children of God, it means that we're called to make peace in our own lives. And we do that by creating spaces of rest, Right? That's our inheritance. It's not just something we need to do. Like This is what's so cool. It's our inheritance. It's what we get to do. God's saying, I've chosen you to be a different people. You don't have to play by the same rules. You don't have to go out there and worry, Clark, about the next step. You don't have to worry about sending out 25 applications and, and stressing about all this stuff because I put you on this path. This was my blessing. For you, 
You're going to live into this. Your inheritance is to step into my peace. That's what I'm giving you as my gift. So it's not something that we have to feel like, oh, this is one more thing I got to do. I got to make a place of peace for God. And No, he's saying, this is what you get to do. You don't have to play by the same rules. You're my child, and I am your father, and I'm going to give you a blessing of peace. Make space for me, and you'll realize who I am, and you'll see who you are. That's what they gave me. Uh, I hope um, it's, you find something out of it. Um, think about, I, I, I can say it's been, it's been something that I've been going through and learning, reading into the last few years, and it's made a tremendous change in how I approach um, every, so many different aspects of my life. Okay? Um, and the lesson I really was excited to teach teaching next week so uh, that was where I started but I thought I needed to go back first so from here I hope next week if you all make it back we're going to talk more about this we're going to talk about then how do we put ourselves in the right position to to experience God's blessing how do we know that we're putting ourselves in the right space Um, yeah but that's it all right Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about ways that you can be involved with Catalyst, please visit our website at provokechange.org. Until next time, continue loving God, loving our neighbors, and loving each other.